tonight on the September edition of the Ask Brothers, we talk six points from 12 as Arsenal meander through the month. We question our leadership on and off the pitch and ask why Ryan fantasizes about body shots off Mesut Ozil. All this and more tonight in this and Ask Brothers Rankcast. Welcome to this and Ask Brothers Rantcast, the September edition of the Ask Brothers monthly show. And as always, I'm joined by my three brothers and ass. I'm joined by Brother Toby, Brother Manny, and Brother Ryan. And to say the least, guys, this uh this month has been trying as an Arsenal fan. It's been trying because what our sense of Arsenalism is, is being tested. It's being tested through the football that we're playing, it's being tested through the way that we're now, I don't want to say that we're now back into arguing with each other like we were a couple of years ago under Wenger, but it's starting to heat up in the fans' forums. And it hasn't been the greatest month to be an Arsenal fan. Uh, Guys, four games in this month. Arsenal 2, Tottenham 2, Watford 2, Arsenal 2, Arsenal 3, Villa 2, and the boringest of the fucking bunch, like pulling teeth this morning. Man U won, Arsenal won. Manny, how close are you to uh, to just ending it all? Just ending it all and becoming a, I don't know, a fucking Crystal Palace fan? No, no I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> I'm not going that far, but um, I'm, I'm close to something. I'll, I'll say that much. I'm close to something. I'm not sure what it is just yet. But um, this month here, yeah, it, it's been bullshit to the highest order. It, fuck Arsenal this month. For real, fuck them. It's like you're trying to, to take me back to a dark place, man. Back to 2016 when I was a rampaging lunatic on the fans' forums. You're, you're trying me, Arsenal. You really are, man. <laughs> Don't test me, bro. Don't test me. Oh, they're trying me, man. I'm telling you. Brother Ryan, are you a? I assume you're feeling the same as what everyone else is feeling at the moment. You're, you ready to pop? You ready to uh, to bring Urzel back into the team? I mean, I thought about it, but uh, then I had to take a step back from the ledge. Um, yeah, feeling feeling similar to Manny. Uh, after the game, I was at the at the bar, local Arsenal bar in Connecticut, and uh, I asked where the closest bridge was. I was pretty pretty upset. Um, but then I just had another beer and uh, I glazed over and hopefully better times are ahead. Wash the pain away. Wash the pain away indeed. And Toby, as our usually our most level-headed, uh, calmest of, of Ask Brothers and uh, most technically proficient as well, um, how have you found the last month of, of football? <laughs> no, nah, I'm done. I've broken. I've finally cracked. I've entered the the realm of insanity and Arsenal fucking put me there this morning. So I am done. Emery out blood. This is fucked. I'm out. Because you did you did take a long time to to take the bait, Toby. I mean, probably been over the last really two weeks. Manny really started the ball running kind of towards the end of the month. Manny started saying, I'm having issues. I'm 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 having you know, I'm having doubts. Then Ryan was the next one to take the bait there. And I followed soon after. And I, I really felt that you were going to have 
I don't know, maybe a little bit more time in you, Toby, in this, you know, you're, you're kind of like, I like to think of you as like anyone who listens to Arsenal Vision. You're like the Clive of this podcast. You know, you like to take your time, think, not just shout words into the ether. But I've got to admit, you've come around pretty hard and pretty fast, mate. Yeah, I lost my shit this morning. I didn't. I didn't even know. I didn't even know how I got there, to be honest, because I was quite level-headed <laughs> for the first half. Pretty pragmatic, just like our approach was in a way. You know, we were playing a containment style, blah blah blah. Um, and then the sheer cowardice after after Saka's deflection, which could have um, put us in the lead, we just shit our pants, shit the bed turned into a rampant pack of fucking pussies and let an average United side absolutely fist pump us without any lube whatsoever. Um, and well, I know, mean, towards the that, end, we were lucky let, to escape. Let's pull that cock back an inch. Let's pull it back a couple of inches. Let's take it back It's still going to gonna the hurt. There's no fucking lube in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but let's take it back to the tip of the month. The first insertion, Tottenham Hotspur, Arsenal two. Wait, 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 before, before you go into that, before you go into that, before we go into that, and before we go in at the deep end, right, I'm going to do something very positive, and I would like to extend a congratulation to our brother Ryan, who got engaged in the last month. So, Max, fuck you. A huge congratulations to you, Ryan. I wish you all the best in your future marriage. Don't listen to nothing Max has got to say because he's a prick. I wish you the best, bro. Now we can do it. Now we can go all in. Oh, you're kidding me. He's <laughs> dropped. He's literally dropped out of the room as you've oh said that. Oh, my he's back. God. How much of Manny's beautiful <laughs> words did you hear and how much of them did you miss, Ryan? I actually missed all, all, most of Toby's because my volume went completely out. So pretty much what pretty much what Manny said while while you were going out was he said fuck you Ryan you've made a terrible mistake Manny doesn't believe in marriage and he thinks that essentially you would have been happier if you yeah. had just played the field for a couple of months <laughs> yeah of course I did and, that, and, that's, and that's he also did. said definitely listen to Max for relationship advice mm. yeah, yeah he was he was Adam you have Max. to listen Adam back he said Max is the guy Max is the the guy that you should listen to for all forms of advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just listen so back basically, to Ryan. Ryan listen everything back. the opposite of what Max just said. So, <laughs> oh God, I can't wait to listen. I'll listen. To so, taking it back to the first, if, if we're gonna let let's say that the the dick that is currently inside of Arsenal, right? I don't know whether the dick's inside the club or if the dick's inside us as fans. Like if we're Multiple a collective dicks. anus, or if there are a lots bag of dicks. dicks. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure whether there's a bag or models, but let's 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 consider the last month as one single dick, right? So, and we've had it pretty much rammed in the whole month. I think. Uh, would you guys agree that there haven't been many? I mean, even in the victory against Villa, there were elements of dicking there. And I mean, we're only really concentrating on the Premier League, so we're not looking at the things that happened in Europa. We're not looking at the things that had in the cup. But the Premier League dick that has been put inside of us started with the first inch, and the first inch was Arsenal-Tottenham. Again, a game where we go and ditch two goals to Tottenham Hotspur and we've got to come back into the game. And again, 
a game where we come back into a game and our fans sit there and say, look at the resolve, look at the fight, look at the, I don't know, look at the, the way that we don't lie down. But guys, look at the way we just fucking ship and concede goals and chances. And I thought we'd just quickly start at the top of the story and t- start with the Tottenham story. Manny, <laughs> mm-hmm. an awful start to our month, regardless of the fact that we managed to scrape a 2-2 draw out of it. Yeah, I was in a pub <clears throat> in, um, in and around the Finsbury Park area. It was hot in there. I heard some shit in that pub that I cannot repeat because some of it I can't remember now because I had a lot of drinks that night. But um, it was a pile of shit. I wasn't happy. I left that pub feeling more pissed than I was going in for the simple fact that the way we conceded those goals and the way we reacted made me feel like, why the fuck didn't you play like this in the first place? Why do you fuckers make so many mistakes and then we have to claw it back? I wasn't going with the narrative that you were just talking about, you know, look at the fight back. Look at, we should have never been in that position in the first place. And it's the most experienced players that are putting us in these positions. And I cannot understand what exactly is the plan. And if there is a plan, what the fuck keeps going wrong with it? Nothing makes well, sense. Mean, in that game, well, we nothing would, made sense, mate. Well, we would have thought that that plan maybe would have evolved over the course of the month. But, I mean, immediately after the Tottenham loss, we come up against a, a Watford. Tottenham who, draw. Who, sorry, against, uh, with the Tottenham draw. We immediately come up against a Watford, which were, let's face it, I'm, I mean, cannon fodder for Man City the week after us. And we managed to go and make that Watford team look like an absolutely world-class team again. And nothing changes. So we move from the first inch of the penis into the second inch of the penis. Ryan, the Watford game was just disgusting. How did you, how did you feel? How did you feel in that game? I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel. Um, Arsenal's been really testing my patience, testing my wherewithal and watching that game was was interesting you know we had a a two-goal lead at at halftime and things are you know going good I I didn't think we were playing that great but whatever Watford is struggling three points it is what it is and uh, you know uh, getting Tom Cleverly a goal wasn't wasn't ideal but still whatever we'll hang on they'll you know Arsenal will scare us but we're gonna hang on it's gonna be fine and then the penalty and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Lost for words. Socrates got Wofford back in the game, and then we end the game with a David Luiz penalty. So, yeah, I don't well, know. Well, I mean, the, Just... the Granite Jacker penalty against Tottenham, the David Luiz penalty against Wofford, yeah. the Socrates pass out from the back, Delafeo sticking his cock so far inside AMN that AMN could literally cough up Delafeo's balls still with just a, a simple throat clear because <clears throat> his nuts are just fucking right there. And as if that wasn't bad nuts, enough. Nuts uh, AMN's tonsils. They are. Uh, AMN is gargling with Listerine not to fix his breath, 
but to try and reduce the swelling from Delafeu's cock and balls inside his throat. <laughs> and guys, that then led us into the Aston Villa game. Um, Toby, Villa game. Again, particularly fucking difficult game to watch, particularly overrun by late-running midfielders. Again, and made a Villa team who have just been promoted look probably a bit better than what they were. We have an amazing ability to make average players look absolute world beaters. So, Grealish, that game, the Scottish bloke. What was his left. name? I tried to put him in my fantasy team the next week, but I'd run out of trades. Um, marvellous. We made McGinn we made look fucking marvellous. Yep, McGinn. You know, Late runs um, into the box from McGinn. Bypass midfield again. Yep. And look, I mean, the, the win was wonderful. It was... Uh, a truly, um, you know, exciting experience to come from the depths of despair and end up with a victory. But, you know, when you reflect on it in the cold, hard light of day, we made a very average team look good. And coming back to Manny's point, I think that we, we won that in spite of our manager rather than because of, regardless of the substitutions. Well, I mean, we're talking about having to drag ourselves back from a two-goal deficit, throwing away a two-goal lead, and then having to drag ourselves back heroically from a deficit again, you know, in, in, in three of the four games. And then even against Man U, in, in a lot of ways, in more than a lot of ways, that Man U game was like watching an 11th-place team play a 10th-place team. Does everyone agree no. that may be the worst, the, the worst Man U team that they've ever seen? I mean, on paper, when it got read out, and I predicted that for a loss, and when the team sheet got read out, you know what I thought? I've, I've made a mistake here. I obviously haven't realized how deep their injuries go or, or how weak their squad is. And I still say they outworked us. I still say they outplayed us for huge parts of that game. So all you got to do against us, mate. Is run about a bit. It's not no. about. It's not about technique. You just got to run a bit harder than us, and we shit the bed. No, there was a bit more than that. There was a bit more. Just a little bit more. You have to run around a little bit more, and all you got to do is keep the ball. That's it. All you have to do is keep the ball. That was. That wasn't even ten versus eleventh. That lower. That was. Close to relegation. I have never been so bored and so disgusted at the lack of quality. I was watching it with my brother and we just both looked at each other like, what the fuck are we watching? It was... It's the shittest United side I've seen since I've started watching the Premier League. But what the fuck were we doing? Because we made them look a lot better than they are. Again... In that second half, I know we're going to unpack it, but in that second half, we only played well in that game for 10 minutes. The 10-minute period leading up to the goal, and then after that, nothing. After that, after the Saka shot, we're like, oh, okay, we, we've got the goal back. Let's just sit back and allow United to come onto us. A shit United side of that. They were awful, but we were worse. Imagine that. Just unpack that for a second. They were shit. But we were worse because we didn't play well for an extended period of time. It was almost like we scored that goal and Emery was relieved that we'd scored that goal. 
and in yep. his mind away from home after we scored that goal. We now need to protect this one goal. Do you know who that reminds me of? Jose fucking Mourinho. Yep. <laughs> Except Mourinho actually won shit. This was mid-table <laughs> mentality. And a Mourinho team could defend. Exactly. This was mid-table mentality. This was like, oh shit, we've gone to a big club, we've just scored a goal, let's sit back and we'll take the point. For half an hour we sat back and did nothing. I don't even I are don't we Arsenal even Football know. Club are we fucking yep. Blackburn. What what the fuck was that? <laughs> I don't even know if and, we and, were and if I don't even know if we were intentionally sitting back. Oh we should have lost that game two one, Toby. If, if, if it's an open goal for McTominay running the ball on pace, how he actually gets his head underneath it may in fact be a skill. He was may free. In fact he was free. That's what no I'm one saying. Was challenging I mean, you him. Could, you, you could not. <laughs> I, I question. And, and this is the structure. This is the structure that I can't handle. Our set piece delivery was oh. husworthy. It was. Yeah. It was Nelson's Amorich, deliveries were disgusting to the point. What? Not just what Nelson. I mean, fucking hell, he was at the end. You've got Xhaka. Xhaka doesn't even take corners anymore, and he used to take them above Özil. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. Pepe's delivery was horrible. Ceballos' delivery was horrible. Fucking Reese Nelson was horrible. So you've got no designated set piece terror taker. Xhaka set piece when we actually got in a, a position of threat did some fucking stupid play and ran the ball out dead and Chambers didn't even get the opportunity to, you know, it was horrible. So our, so whatever we're doing on the training ground set piece wise is bad because going forward from an attacking sense is absolute shambles. And then from a defensive point of view, we've never been good at defending set pieces. And we, Mm. we showed that McTominay had an open goal. It was, it was a farce. So on top of, uh, on on top of uh, uh, like a, a game tactic or a mindset where we just basically try and not we basically try and sit back and then hit on the break, but we don't have anyone of any skill with their foot on the ball to negate any type of press or release the front three anyway, and then we just fucking sit deep and we can't defend anyway. It's it's, uh, yeah, I've uh, I've lost my mind. All the positivity, Ryan, Ryan. There's a number of people, a number of people I've seen online, and it was something that I thought as well. And this isn't in any means, uh, by any means, meant to be a, a a shove at Joe Willock, but that the only real attacking threat we had for the entire game in between the lines was Saka, and that once Saka was removed, essentially any chance of us scoring the second goal or scoring a winner was negated. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? I agree. Um, you know, based on everything that you guys are talking about, how our set pieces are bad, which th- which they've been bad. So, like, I'm, I can't even really, like, I don't really want to even use an excuse. Our set pieces have been dog shit. You know, the short corners are just, I, I don't even, I, I don't, sometimes I could see them working, but nine times out of ten, they're, they don't make any sense, at least for us, the way we at least set up on corners. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm baffled. Uh, this this Man U team is really like like you know I kind of going over what we were talking about, but this Man U team is real bad. Um, we need to literally bring it to them, and we were like, "Yeah, it's Man U though. It's gonna be a good game." It's like, well, no, it shouldn't have been a good game. We're a better team than them, 
And for me, as an Arsenal fan, it's saying a lot. Um, saying how like we're you know, and an Arsenal team is so much better than a Man U team. Really, the last time uh, we have gone against a, such a such a bad Man U team, which in my opinion may even been worse than uh, than this past game. But when we played them in uh, 2016, and we saw their we saw their lineup, and we were like, who the fuck they got? They have no one up front. We got this, and lo and behold. Motherfucker Marcus Rashford coming out party decides to happen, and he has his first big break, his first big game, you know, and the rest is history. But um, Toby's Toby's been saying this forever. Toby's made Toby's been making this comment and this statement for as long as we've been doing the podcast. Toby's been saying all we do is we either make players on their debuts look amazing, or we give players their like, you know, like their one game. That one game where people look back at that game and say, oh, man, that guy was great for one game. Like Jefferson yeah. Montero. You know, like that's the one game Jefferson Montero. I definitely thought Mason Chambers, Greenwood was coming Chambers on and scoring still, the winner. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I was I was set that that was going to happen. Chambers is still recovering from that. He is. He is. Chambers will have Montero's yeah. dick literally in his adenoids for life. That's why he's got that funny haircut now. <laughs> No, but to see, see Max, it's not even it's not even just making players look good now. We're making teams look good, right? Mm. We're making poor teams look good. Go back to the, the last month, right? We have thrown away halves of football, and the only time we've actually played with any sort of urgency, any sort of quality, any sort of pace is when we're down. We don't start yep. games on the front foot. So we what, don't so what does that? What does that? What does that tell you, Manny? What does that tell you that once play is broken, once the tactical positioning of the team we have no which leaders, is, which which is clearly towards a defensive mindset, that once that defensive shackle gets lifted, then we that start all, playing. All of a sudden, we're capable of being able because to play because the fear has been removed. The only way to make us play well is to for our backs to be against the wall which means we have a lack of confidence within ourselves, within our formation, within our approach, within our setup. And it's only when we throw caution to the wind and play with bloody gay abandon and players play on natural instinct and show leadership through themselves on the pitch, that's when we start playing. And that that is an indictment of our manager. That's awful. That's awful because... And I said this um, on another podcast, I believe. When we have everybody fit, we have the third best squad in the league. On paper. Mm-hmm. On paper. Mm-hmm. Even with even with Lacazette not in the team at the moment, you're looking at it and you're like, you know what? We should be doing a lot better than we are. I get it. Oh, we're fourth. But we're fourth by default. And that's the problem. Because when we're going out there and we're playing teams like Aston Villa at home, you're expecting Arsenal to go, you know what? This is that you're at my house, and when you're at my house, you're gonna play by my rules. And my rules are I'm gonna walk all over you. Your midfield is not good enough to even look at mine, so I'm gonna show you what I mean by this. And we've done none of that in any of the games that we've played this month, unless we've really needed to. And the Villa game, it's nothing to do with the tactics, the players got themselves out of it. And uh, uh, oh, this it makes me sick, man. I don't. I'm not enjoying watching us at the minute. I, I'm not. It's horrible. 
Well, let's yeah. let's bench digging further into Emery, digging further into the overall kind of outcomes of the last month and what we see moving forward because we're going to handle all of that in part three. So guys, just finishing off this part really quickly, six points from available 12 points. Let me just leave that with you to, to marinate. Six points from an available 12 points against a Tottenham Hotspur that, let's face it, have been struggling all season, against a Watford that got one of the worst rapings. It's surely it must be almost the worst raping for goals per minute of any team in history against City. Against a Villa team. One worse, but that's all in, his, in Premier League history. So second mm-hmm. worst in Premier League history. Against a Villa team who you know aren't going to be anything, aren't going to be a top 10 team. And against the worst Manchester United team I think I've ever seen on paper in my time watching the Premier League. Yeah, let's just Ferguson, leave that. Probably. Yep, let's just leave that to marinate for a second. Guys, three, two, ones and one, two, threes. So again, we have come to the end of a month. This year, we've got four games, like we said in there. All of our points have been collated. Uh, we'll pop them up on the Facebook group so you can have a look at them. And as I say, every week or every month, whenever we do this, we do not converse about this we don't change our minds about this so even if someone says something and everyone says you're a fucking idiot we uh we we back ourselves for what we saw like you this week toby where everyone called you a fucking idiot and you know what you stuck to your guns (laughs) buddy you stuck to your guns and i respect that i don't care (laughs) anyway guys starting from the top so our number three our man of the month, two months running, Matteo fucking Genduzzi. Toby, can I start with you? He's come in with plus 24 points, zero negative points for a score of plus 22. That's two months in a row for our little 20-year-old general. So start, start with what specifically? Just my comment on that. Well, that would be the idea. As a podcast, we're here to have opinions based on the information that we give it. Yeah, sure, Max. No problem. <laughs> okay. I I love and appreciate Genduzi, but I believe I am one of the ones that also get frustrated with his flaws. Like the start of last season, the reason that we loved him so much is because he actually gave a fuck and put himself in a position to affect the game when the odds were stacked against him. So he shows a level of heroicism and independent thought and will to win beyond the normal sheepish Arsenal mentality. And I feel like that's why we love him. However, I would also like to say that he is flawed because of his lack of experience, his defensive awareness and positioning, and the fact that he isn't fully physically developed yet. So why has he been our man of the month two months running? Because because he's a great player. Yep. And he's he's doing things metronomically and being able to beat a press and move the play forward. He's also putting in, you know, defensive efforts as well, which are praiseworthy. 
but he isn't he isn't at that level yet for the praise that he's getting in my opinion Ryan mm. how much Mm-mm. of Genduzi's balls do you want in and around your mouth and face at the moment oh, and why <laughs> oh, I I'm balls deep on Genduzi oh. uh, I I would I would go to war for that man uh, <laughs> the he, I, I, I love him, man. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's too soon since Ozil. I'm just kind of getting that rebound. I don't no know. No one else to fucking love. He's not that good. He, uh, the, 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 the passion he showed in the game against Villa, when everyone else was like, "Fuck, we're ten men. You know, we have ten men, and we're losing to a fucking newly promoted side." And, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think he's he's hit his peak yet. Which gets me even more of a, gives me more of a fucking. Hard Isn't that dip. a fucking erection moment? But he's not yeah. he's not even that good yet. Just the leadership and just watching him like run all yes uh, at the game in the menu game. Watch him run all the way back, track back, head the ball out, and scream at his team and say, "What the fuck are you idiots doing? Get your fucking heads in the game." Yeah, yeah, I just. That was good. I, the, the, the I, I don't I don't was, know like I yeah. I don't I'm I'm yeah. just I think I think I'm less harping about how good he is it's just more of like the potential and I know that's something I shouldn't be talking about or saying but a 20 year old with that much with that much balls with with that much you know I I'll leadership he I think he's got one he, I know we don't have leadership and that's a problem here but I just. I don't think he's got leadership. I, love I just his think mentality. he has desire, and I think yeah. those two things. Should I think be, it turns into leadership just because be our leadership isn't great. You know, I don't think yeah, we, you can either you can either push the cart or you can drag the cart. And right now, Genduzi is dragging the cart, so he's leading by example. Yeah, he's not sitting there pushing everyone, saying "You go, you move in front of me, you do this." Genduzi's just saying, "I'm gonna get the ball and I'm gonna go." Manny Riz, the data would yeah. imply. That plus 24 points, zero mm. negative points for a score of positive 24 from mm. four panelists would imply that this kid has been something special again this month. That's two months in a row. Yeah. Um. See, I'm with Toby in the sense that when his flaws do come out, they really piss me off. Like against Watford, I thought he was a petulant little shit. And I felt like that was the game where he really needed somebody to grab him by the neck and go, you know what, you need to settle the fuck down. All right, that that was the game where somebody of authority really needed to grab him. But beyond all of that, second half against Tottenham, the only one in that midfield that was driving us forward and trying to get us a goal. Second half against Villa. And he wasn't perfect in that game because the first goal, you can say he played a part in it by not following the play. He was ball watching. But again, you look at the metal of a man when the chips are down. You either follow the chips down or you get back up and you try your hardest to pull yourself out of it. And look at what he did. He doesn't hide from anything. He doesn't hide from the fact that the team is playing badly. He doesn't hide from being bundled off the ball and, and, and giving the ball away. None of that. He wants the ball. He wants to make something happen. He's got that desire. So, of course, it's not been a flawless month, 
but he's showing us the characteristics that we've been missing for years but what he needs right in order to move forward he needs genuine guidance and genuine leadership on that pitch to sort of rein in those flaws when they come knocking because they are there he's not perfect but he's a lot better than what we have i'll tell you two things dare talk about my man like that Ah, i'll tell you (laughs) i'll tell you two things right now about matteo genduzzi number one we have not seen a young talent this impressive since cesc fabregas right Anyone want to shout out and disagree at me? I don't think that we've had anyone this impressive whose ceiling Jack is that high. On potential, Say what? He never no. made it. No, what? No, yeah, what? Yeah, so. Jack Wilshere. Yeah, mate, I, no, Jack Wilshere. I would say on that potential. Jack Wilshere had a year that is better than anything yet what Genduzzi has at 16 provided. Years of age at 16. Well. Yeah, no, well, to a degree, mm-hmm. Toby, I'll agree with you. But as far as actual out-and-out leadership goes and balls and driving team, I don't think we've seen anyone who's come into the club this young and wanted to take control of it since Sesk, which I think as an Arsenal fan is maybe one of the biggest compliments we can throw out there. And can I just say my second one is if Mesut Ozil plays the ball to Aubameyang, that Genduzi plays to Aubameyang for the goal that ties it up against Tottenham, everyone in the world is fucking jacking off. But because it's Genduzi, it almost goes unnoticed. Not unnoticed, but it's like, oh yeah, it was a lovely ball. It was so far beyond a lovely ball. It was maybe one of the best balls I've seen anyone play it's this year. It's not just that one, though. It's not just that one. Remember the one he's doing Villa it once a game for Chambers. Yes, he didn't score from it. Mm. It's not he didn't score from it, but you know, just yeah. getting that ball in there. You know, nobody else is doing it. So we got to praise him for the things that he does well, but at the same time, we've got to be level-headed about it and realize that he's still young and he has the tendencies to do some stupid shit. But at the moment. His his stupid shit is a lot less than than his positives. I'll tell you someone who has done some stupid shit and they just made him captain. But we'll cover that later on in the podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> Guys, oh. coming in at second place for this month. So positive two points for this month. The one, the only, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Plus 24 points. Minus one point for a score of plus 23. So coming in one point point behind Genduzi because one of us I don't remember who gave him a negative one somewhere someone didn't like something that he did but positive 23 for Aubameyang Manny I'm gonna start with you because you and I almost wrote the exact same comment after the Man United game without having spoken to each other and we both wrote in a roundabout way where would we be without this guy 14 goals in 14 games Manny Riz where would we be without this guy uh, around ninth or tenth. Like, yeah, you're being you're being generous. We would be in the relegation zone without him. Mm, look up, fair, but we would be in so much shit. It's not just the goals; it's the playing out of position for the team. It's the clutch moments: Villa, United, Tottenham. Mm. Mm. Coming in clutch, right? Even he, he didn't have the best of games against Tottenham, but he was at the right place at the right time to get us that goal. Against United yesterday, apart from Saka, he was the only one that looked on it out of everybody in that front three. 
I don't know what and, and we said this in preseason that he he looked different he looked hungrier and he's showing it and all those people say oh there's a score in big games well you can suck a dick because this guy is turning up <laughs> he's scoring goals and he's not getting the plaudits that he deserves cunts like Tim Sherwood still giving him stick for giving the penalty to Pepe instead of looking at it for what it really is and his leadership leadership because he's not just like you know what I don't want all the goals here have a penalty get your confidence up you don't see that from many strikers and Tim Sherwood said oh oh, you want winners like Kane what the fuck has Kane won absolutely nothing listen Aubameyang has been our saviour this season without him we would be fucked and if we don't get Champions League he's gone so Toby you and I were talking about conversion today and how last year Aubameyang seemed to get a whole lot more chances. And this year there seems to be a, a bit more of a clinical nature to him. He really is taking the small amount of chances that he gets per game. Yeah, well, I would hazard a guess his XG would have improved. And, and that, that stat is pulled from my butt. Like that has no founding other than my perception. But he has been absolutely clinical. He he is a low touch player. There's no doubt about that. And I actually think in our in our front three, the way we're playing, we actually need more people who are comfortable driving at the opposition and creating something for themselves. Because there's sure as shit no fucking creativity from our midfield or our defence for that um, for that matter. But he has been absolutely clinical and, and just echoing what Manny was saying, his leadership, both on and off the pitch, have been just commendable. You know, the the wherewithal to lift Pepe by handing him the pen, some of the dirty tactical fouling towards the end of the Villa game, you know, the arm around the shoulder, you know, he... he has been absolutely phenomenal and you know regardless of this whole Xhaka appointment which has been a bit of a farce to be honest you know he he has gone from the party boy who was a bit of a problem child at at Dortmund to someone who's showed incredibly credible maturity um, and has really seemed to grow with the club you know since being at Arsenal and and I, I tend to disagree with Manny that, that he'll be off if, if we don't reach Champions League because I've, I've got this strange feeling that he's found a home. I just feel that, that we have potentially mismanaged the situation by not um, building on the leadership that he has shown. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Manny, yeah. you wanted to, to make a little interjection about Martinelli. Yeah, I'll make an interjection, but firstly, before I even go on to that, fuck you, you cunt. I'll, right? fucking, I'll fucking smash you, man. Fuck you. All right? Anytime. I'll Anytime, do more buddy. damage I got to hit... you. That... Yeah, Bro, that's I what I was going to say. I'll do I got you hit more... in the head with a fucking chair this week. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'll do you more damage than that, you little cunt. Anyway. L- listeners, leadership. For, those of you who, for, for those of you quickly who don't know, listeners, Manny is giving Brother Max some, some love. You know, and some, you know, some moral support because I got smashed in the head with a chair at the bar after a little brawl broke out. 
and I made the cardinal error of trying to choke someone unconscious and going to the ground and I got some lumps kicked out of me. And when I stood up, someone threw a bar stool in my head and I was pretty sure it concussed me and I rang and I, I messaged Mandy for some support. I was like, dude, I got smashed in the head with a chair and he goes, where were you? And I was like, I was on the floor with dude. He's like, big mistake, bruv. <laughs> well, yeah. Who gets on the floor in a bar fight? Like that—that's the stupidest thing ever. It was real. It was real big, and I didn't want to fight him standing up. He'd done a bit of damage. But, so. but anyway, that was stupid, right? And you deserve all them licks. Like that—that that was a, a novice <laughs> move, all right, for a street fight. But my point, anyway. Tangents, tangents. Um, leadership. Martinelli. And we talk leadership. about Aubameyang. Yeah, well, you know, after the, the Carabao Cup game, I know we, we're only going to stick to the Prem, but this is, you know, relevant. When he says, you know, he's sitting in the canteen, waiting to eat, and Aubameyang comes over, sits next to him, tries to communicate with him in Portuguese. So it's a lot more than just, you know, what he's doing on the pitch. But off the pitch, he seems to be that go-to person, you know, for Gwenduzi when he came when he came into the club. You know, young 19-year-old, brought him in with, with Lacazette. Pepe as well made them feel welcome. Martinelli, and you're hearing this, and you're asking yourself where this this party boy, you know, bad boy story from Dortmund came from because we're seeing the complete different side of him, and maybe it's it's more maturity, I guess, because you know men take a lot longer to mature, but it's a lot more than just what he's doing on the pitch. So it must be highlighted. Don't right? always believe the press either. Fuck the press. Things can be leaked for the for the sake of the club, you know. If if they leak a story that he's a party boy because they want to get rid of him for whatever reason. So anyway, yeah, agreed. Um, guys, I mean, I don't even think of being a party boy as a big deal. Like he could be, he could go out, he could go do what he wants to do. If 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 you know, at the training grounds, on the pitch, he's he his inclusion of the team, you know, is fine. That's fine. Social media. Look at him on after social the media. After the Watford game, they said he was he again the team together. Yeah, after mm. I know I, I like Toby was saying, fuck the media. But you know, uh, after our two-two draw against Watford, he was out at a London club till four in the morning. Well, fuck it, I don't care. He could, I don't, who gives a fuck? That's fine. He could do that as long as you know he shows up to the training ground, fucking not not fucking half hour late, including the team, leading the team through through uh, training, you know, including including various. Compo- various players that are you know up and coming or you know getting kind of past their prime kind of gelling the team together then fuck I don't care you can fucking do body shots for all I give a fuck he's off no, also. he's no Lord fuck. Bentner he's no Lord Bentner <laughs> oh, no. Lord. He, he's not oh. saying he's the best in the world he's not being the best run? in the world and then punching <laughs> a cabbie <laughs> Wait, 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 let's unpack that, Toby. Let's unpack that because that was really strange. Why did you say Obama doing body shots of Ozil? You you thought about that one, didn't you? You really thought about that one, That's in the wank one, bank. It is in the wank bank, isn't it? That's in your Pornhub searches, isn't it, Ryan? Maybe. Ugh. <laughs> you dirty bastard. I'm all flustered now. Sorry, guys. Oh, man. Yeah. You dirty bastard. It's all right, mate. Just go rub one out. You'll be all right. <laughs> Speaking of Pornhub boys and rubbing one out, I think in the collective Arsenal wank banks at the moment is our one point for the month. He hasn't played a lot of Premier League games, but in the time he's come in, I would argue he has had the biggest impact of any player outside of the two guys who have probably preceded him in our 3-2-1s and 1-2-3s. Back, back 
fuck, I never should try to say his first name. Saka. Oh my god. Eleven points. <laughs> positive. No. Bakayo. Those Bakayo. Bakayo. I thought player. that's where I got tripped up. I was thinking about saying Bakayoko. <laughs> You can't even say that one either. He's a a Japanese Nigerian who likes the Beatles. (laughs) What? (laughs) Back a a Yoko Ono Saka. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Alright. Yono Yukubu. I got hit in the head oh, with a chair. Stop. I may still be. I, I may still be feeling the effects of being hit. No, in the head no, with no, no, no. You, this, this is just no, you. No, no. You're just fucking retarded. That's that is all. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, eleven points for Saka. Um, has in the couple of games he's played, has absolutely changed the game. And not talking about you know where he made his breakthrough and you know doing all that stuff outside of the prem, but just strictly about the fact that he managed to work himself into the prem. And I thought this was an interesting comment, Toby. It was a comment I made to you where I said, after Saka's first game in the Prem, good night, Reese Nelson. Now, I made that comment not saying that I'm anti Reese Nelson or anything like that. I made that comment based on the idea that for young players, once you are given your opportunity in the first team, there's a, a an element where I, I guess it's, the first part of the journey is the hardest part of the journey. And if you're good enough or if you're ballsy enough or if you take your opportunity strongly enough, you can really drive your way into the team. I think we saw players like Alex Awobi do it when he came into the team. And for me, Saka did that, whereas Nelson hadn't done that. So, Tobes, what have you thought of Saka's first two games of football and how much he seems to have actually genuinely changed our ability to drive at defences? One word, Max, instinct. And that mm. is the whole benefit of having a young player who hasn't had all of that coached out of them. The, if you know one thing, and that is to dribble, push forward, fight for the scraps, because that's what young players do, then that is a benefit to the team. The reason it is such a benefit to this team is because all of the confidence and ad-lib play has been coached out of them. He is important to us because the distances in midfield from the midfield three to the defence to the front three is so fucking vast. The only thing we have left is a player that can play on instinct and try and beat a man. He has been phenomenal for us, and I believe he has a huge future, but I also think it is a fucking indictment of this team and how fucking bad it is and how we don't play together, we don't progress the ball forward, we don't support the man in possession, we fucking hide where we can receive the ball, but in a safe space the movement off the ball is fucking atrocious it is borderline passworthy and Saka is exciting because he's playing on instinct and he's driving past men i i'm so excited by this guy but he should not be the guy that we're relying on 
he's a, a fucking boy and a, a prodigy and someone I hope will absolutely fucking kick ass. But I feel that it's an absolute indictment on our team that we have to rely on him like we do. Ryan, what's Saka done in his starting opportunities that Nelson has failed to do in his starting opportunities? He's just a dynamic player. Um, he could run. He could, you know, he could dribble through a few guys if he needs to. And li- kind of like Toby was saying, his instinct is really good. And I think that just, I think for me, the biggest difference with him is just watching him kind of work his way around the 18 and even inside the 18. And, you know, the last person we kind of had that was in that position that was sort of like Saka was, was Wolves, you know, and watching him inside the, the, uh, the 18 yard box was him trying to talk to a hot girl and say, my, my name is Alex. And he just, just watching a Wolby just stutter and not know what the fuck he was doing inside the 18 was just, it was, yeah, it was pretty depressing. But now, you know, watching Saka, it's just, a breath of fresh air and you know watching his enthusiasm his willingness to work and with that he has his technical ability and you know he's he's not afraid to take on a fucking guy or two which i'm excited i reckon saka is more ox chamber than wobes personally yeah i think he needs i think he needs you know maybe uh a few more steroids to get to Ox's level, but yeah, I, I definitely uh, I'd, see him, I'd, uh, I'd, him getting. I tell you what, I tell you what, I was I was just about to say this. That boy is a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger than what he looks. He does very well standing up. He does very yeah, well getting does, his yeah. arm across. He holds his feet really well. I mean, he's not on a huge frame, but we've seen Nelson. I mean, look, my <laughs> argument for why Saka has actually taken this better than what Nelson has is I think it's not a talent thing and it's not a technicality thing. I actually think Saka nope. is, is physically further physically further developed than what Nelson is. I haven't seen them kind of next to each other. I don't even know the stats. I don't even know how tall Saka is. And Nelson looks small to me. And, and can I throw this out there, Max? I, I think Nelson has all the potential in the world. Saka just has more of the attributes to bail out Emery. That's... That's one thing I really think we should hone in on here. Do you think that's cause Saka because Saka's more uh, willing to pick up the ball deep and Nelson needs to be on the end of things and we're not putting people on the end of things It's just a suitability thing. Pepe? It's just a suitability thing. It's just like you were saying, like this is less about the player and we can't continually shit on the players. The directive of the manager and the way we're set up isn't complimenting <laughs> our roster. So we, we're relying on the dynamism. 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 I should have just stuck with the first one. Should just gone with it. The dynamism of a young player who is playing with freedom on complete, just innate ability. And that's the reason he's doing well. You know, and... and at the moment, I actually think he's borderline our most important player because he is the fucking release valve. Not from but, not from the centre of midfield, not from an attacking floating 10, not from a deep-lying playmaker. 
he's the only one with the ability to drive forward and make something happen from nothing because we're so structured that we have no attack. Well, speaking of ability or lack of ability or lack of... What's the word I'm looking for? Lack of standing up to what they were actually meant to be. It, it brings us into our negative points, guys, for this month. Coming in for negative one. Pepe. And a stark contrast to Saka. Pepe, we've got plus two points. Negative 13 points for a score of minus 11. Manny, is it simply the system or is it the step up from French football into premiership football that's holding Pepe back at the moment? Because a lot of us thought we were maybe going to see after that penalty went in a little bit of growth. And do you find it interesting that his best performance may have been in a half against Liverpool? I think it's a combination of both. I think with him, you know, playing in the African Cup of Nations, you dirty bastard. Um, <laughs> him playing, on, you know, until, what, July. Um, coming into a new country, big price tag. The system is not allowing him to fully thrive. Um, he doesn't have, you know, an overlapping fullback to double up with. Um, he's being played, you know, as a striker away from home in, in a few games because he's not being trusted to, to you know, track back. Um, he's lacking, you know, confidence. He's not being bedded in slowly, you know what I mean? Slowly but surely he's being thrown in there and it doesn't help that there isn't a midfield connector to get him the ball frequently enough. But all of that aside, we cannot escape the fact that he has been poor. But we need to stop putting so much pressure on the guy because there have been a lot of players in the past that have come with big reputations and it's taken them a while. It took Burkamp a while. It took it, it took Thierry a while. It took Perez a whole season. And we all know where that ended up. Right? But let's not ignore the fact that last night he was shit. Everything he did was, it his was worst awful. Game? 100%. Yeah, not even a, close. 100%. Somebody made a photo of, of, of him with, you know, Gervinho's haircut and forehead. <sighs> he, was that, he was that bad. And it is, you know, in the game where Saka, you know, had the most tackles on the pitch of any other player and, and you know, roasted Ashley Young and pressed him and harried him on the other side, Pepe looked like the youngster. He looked overawed. He mm. looked frightened. He didn't know what That's a to great, do. That is a great comment, Manny. That is a really I mean, poignant comment. Pepe looks like a kid out there at the moment. Even his facial expressions. Saka looks like he's growing and he looks like he wants the ball. And even when he's getting da- taken down, he's sort of turning around to the ref and being like, ref, what am I meant to do? The guy's got a handful of my shirt. Pepe almost has this like deer in a headlights look about him. At the moment, and I wonder if he's yeah. not only struggling with the price tag, but if he's struggling with the fact that he got brought into the team into a position that we required from the start of the season. And if maybe wouldn't have been smarter, you know, I, I know everyone's not a Mikatarian fan, I know that, but that by the time we tore Mikatarian out of the team, it basically meant it was Pepe or bust. And that's a huge amount of pressure for a young man to take on board. 
And I wonder now, I was really hoping that Nelson was going to come on and have a, a, a good impact against Manu, which he didn't. He was garbage, absolute garbage. But I hope that he was going to come on and have a good impact because I thought maybe that's the best thing for Pepe now. You know, a, a couple of games where he's coming on for 30 minutes and he's able to actually provide some impact. I yeah, mean, I, what he needs... I what, sorry, Ray. What, what he needs is that just that and he needs an arm around him and what he doesn't need is idiotic Arsenal fans slating him already because his price tag is a lot more important than what he's actually going through and what it takes to actually bed into a new country, <laughs> learning the language, learning the league, learning your teammates. It's, there's all of these things that he needs to acclimatise to. And for some players, it takes a little longer and it's taken him a little while. He's only been in two months for fuck's sake. And we're already expecting him to be bagging five goals. People need to relax. But at the same time, it's, it's okay to be asking those questions because he did come for a lot of money. However, be patient. It is important to be patient. So people slating him and saying he's shit and, and oh, he's just Jovino. Go fuck yourselves. Ryan, could are, not we agree more. Uh, out, I, are we playing him out of position? Does he need a deeper starting position? Are we playing him as a front, as a guy in a 4 3 3 when we should really be playing him as a guy in a 4 2 3 1? I don't really know where he fits, to be honest. Um, I got it. Well, you know, I think I traditionally ha- he's meant to be running from deeper. His, his most successful game was against Liverpool when he was getting on the ball deeper and he was actually turning defenders and running into the box, not picking up the ball on the edge of the box and going, okay, I don't have the technique for this. Yeah, I, I definitely think him starting deeper is an improvement, I guess, from his game against Manu. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, he doesn't really play defense, you know. He he, I don't want to say shades of Ozil, but yeah, he. <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting, but um, pre trying. <clears throat> that's my biggest issue. Yeah, he uh, and it, it's funny too because his first few games, uh, real excited, his technical ability, his dribbling, his pace, just blistering. But my my one thing about him besides the defending was he just to me he seemed to just. He has an eye for a goal, but too much. He's too hungry. He's just shooting, 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 not even thinking about passing. He's all about the shot, which I don't hate, but, you know, it wasn't working. So me and my buddy, my buddy Ross, we went to the game with, a.k.a. Pussy Juice. Love you, man. Shout out. Um, We (laughs) were talking about Pepe in great detail because he's a huge fan, and I was kind of bringing up the fact I think – he needs to kind of work into the midfield more, pass the ball around, kind of play everybody in the game instead of just hugging that that line and just trying to beat everybody to it, cut in to the 18 and shoot. Um, and it, I started seeing him – he started kind of doing that. He started passing a lot more in this game. But I'm sorry. It was definitely his worst game in an Arsenal shirt and – I don't know. I want to say he needs better. Yeah, he needs coaching. But is our coaching going to be enough? Mm-mm. Is it going to get Mm-mm. him over the line, back the way he is? I personally no. don't think so. But I don't know. It's uh, it's very very interesting time 
as an Arsenal supporter with, you know, new got new blood coming in, new signings coming in, who we need to make an impact because we need Champions League. And you know, with, with it being a vital year for Emery, I don't know. It's very very, very uh, dark times. Well, we're going to talk about that vital year after we've finished up these three two ones. Uh, Toby, I'm going to throw this one to you. Coming in with negative two points for us for the month. Ainsley, Maitland, Niles. Positive one point. Minus 14 points for a grand total of minus 13 points. Do you think that AMN has reached his limit of being a right back and that maybe he's been reading a little bit of the social media and this is his way, in, in, I don't know, in some way of saying this isn't me, this isn't what I want? Or do you just think he's finally been found out having been moved from being a central mid to a wing back and then this year being moved from a wing back to a right back? The, the main thing, Max, is moving from a wing back to a right back. So he can have a lot of his forward thinking attributes in play as a wing back. He can also play in that position as almost like a pseudo right-sided midfielder. And that's and that's where he really progresses the ball well when the, when the game is in front of him. Um, he has done well with his stand-up defending previously, but his positional and, and definitely his tactical awareness positionally um, at right-back is is difficult for him. And yes, of course, he's getting found out. But the the main thing where he excelled was was as a wing-back. You know? So he has been broken a little bit the last few games with a very disjointed team. Don't forget his assist was it for, for Newcastle and that showed his positive um, influence on the game when uh, it was a pretty it was a pretty like docile performance from the team. But um, yeah, look, he has been broken a little bit and he's a young man and he will be inconsistent. He hasn't been training in that position um, for a very long time. Um, and I think he needs a bit of time on the bench, to be honest, to be protected. Um, funnily enough, with our discussion previously and how well Chambers has been playing, you know, I actually feel like Maitland Niles' physical attributes would have stood up better to um, to their left winger. What, what's his name? James, the, the Welsh bloke, um, in this particular game, just, just from this sheer ability to track back and, and his pace and athleticism. I so think AMN's just it, it's devoid a, it's, of it's confidence. A real, so it's a real difficult... That's where that decision gets made. Pardon? It is devoid. AMN is devoid of confidence now. I think that's oh, where that yeah, decision no, he's, gets he's made He's been broken. He, he needs a bit of time to be sat down, maybe be reintegrated into the team um, in central midfield or on the wings in the lesser cup competitions. But I feel much, much like Oxlade-Chamberlain in the past... His versatility will actually slow his progression, um, and it's very hard for me to see a way back into the central midfield team for for me. And really, I see him as now as the second or third choice right back, and it's it's a real shame. It's a real shame because I think there's a quality player in there. So, guys, I really want to move on. Yeah, well, I don't think it's going to happen. Guys, I really want to move on quickly from AMN, primarily because 
the guy who got a negative three for the month. <laughs> Shocker. Needs to be needs to be spoken about in depth. And we're also gonna roll this this final piece of the conversation into the captaincy debate. Then probably off the back of that, Manny is gonna start shouting vigorously into the microphone about Emery's tactics, the constant selection of the man. Really, basically, at least the next 20 minutes of the podcast, I imagine, is going to be taken up by a conversation about Granite fucking Jacker. Oh, captain, my captain. For the four games, zero positive points. Minus 28 points for a score of minus 28. Now, it is clear to almost every single Arsenal fan out there, even the Granite Jacker apologists have started to falter at this point. That granite jacket... Not all of them. I'll tell you what, maybe not all of them, but much like it was with Ozil prior to him, people who were staunch 100% granite jacket fans have started to falter. And even those people who are granite jacket fans took issue with him being made captain. Minus 28 points is fucking ridiculous for a month. And the thing that has bugged me the most, we're going to roll it into one of the the questions that we, we had set up. The thing that bugs me the most about this is if I was setting up an Arsenal midfield three, I would not have Granite Jacker as an anchor. The man is not an anchor. If he has no lateral movement, if he can't get from sideline to sideline, and if he gets turned as easily as he was turned particularly against Villa, late runners coming into the box. The man has a turning circle of a jumbo jet. If you were setting up a midfield for Arsenal tomorrow and saying, how do we counteract this? I'll tell you what, for eight out of 10 Arsenal fans, you counteract it by even removing Xhaka from the team completely, maybe playing him on the left of a three. Boys, Manny, let's start with you. Let's start with the discussion. Let's start with the discussion on the tactical use of Granite Jacker and how he is really starting to slow the team, slow the build-up, and make us so poor in transition. Let's just start there as one part to unpack it. Right. It makes no sense, Brother Max. It makes absolutely no sense to anyone why you would have your most immobile, error-prone player play in that position, playing as the last line of the defense before the defense. It makes no sense whatsoever. Watching back to the Watford game, he cannot go from one spot to the other quick enough. He is so slow. And the tactics are exposing him further to our detriment. To have him there, knowing that he is so immobile because you want him to build the play from deep makes absolutely no sense because you are asking him to build the play. You're asking him to intercept. You're asking him to make tackles. You're asking him to track runners. He can't even do one of them without making a mistake. But you're asking him to do four different roles at once. If you are going to persist with this guy, which is what he's going to do, you have got to have somebody next to him in order to do that job so then it allows him to build the play. That's not what I want. I don't want him at the fucking club. But if Emery's going to persist with him, then you find a system that is going to allow him to do that. 
there was some there was you know a couple of times yesterday where he played a few balls out to to chambers and it was good passes i'm not going to take that away from him but if you want him to do that consistently then why don't you have somebody next to him in order to do the dirty side of it why are you making him do this job and that job and that job and that job and then expecting him to build the play as well it doesn't make any sense emery it makes no sense i mean this has been my argument for probably the last four weeks if you need to squeeze Granite Xhaka into the team, then you need to play a midfield three and you need someone who has lateral movement. So go sideline to sideline. That guy in the team is Lucas Torreira. That is the guy <laughs> that we signed. Whether Emery wanted him signed or whether Emery wanted a giant six foot four black man yeah, named Zonzi signed, it doesn't matter. You're the coach. You signed as the coach. You didn't sign as the fucking manager. You signed as the coach. Now, your role as the coach is to make the best 11 pieces of the puzzle that you have at your disposal make, like, the best picture. Like, exactly. not a Picasso. Like, don't just smash pieces of a puzzle together until it looks something like a face. Like, build a fucking face, cunt. Right? And right now, we don't have a face. We're like a picture of a disjointed shit. You know the crazy thing about that is... Last season, for a little period of time, that double pivot was working. Regardless of what we think of of Granit Xhaka, we all know, I'm guessing people who are listening know exactly what we think of the guy. But that double pivot with him and Torreira was working. Particularly in the big games at home. Particularly, you know, against Liverpool, against Tottenham, you know, and that 22 away to Fulham. You know, against Leicester, Torreira was getting himself about, putting out the fires, making the tackles, making the interceptions, and then that allowed Jacker to do what Emery wants him to do. Why we have regressed from that, and now asking Torreira to play as this pseudo number ten, and then asking him as well to press and make tackles, it, it just the mind boggles as to what is going on and what exactly is the plan. If the plan is to win the ball higher up the pitch, then surely one player should be doing that. And that should not be the player that's supposed to be sitting next to your most immobile player. It should not be Torreira going to chase the fucking ball high up the pitch. It doesn't make sense. This is why you play a midfield free. One midfielder should be doing that job and it should not be the member of the double pivot. Makes no sense, mate. Toby, you've had some uh, some pretty strong words to say on the whole Torreira thing recently, predominantly why he is being deployed in what you perceive as more of a Kante-esque role or not the original Kante role, but I guess the, the Chelsea Kante role. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It, it's obviously, or at least in my um, interpretation of it, is that Emery or Emery and his coaching staff have felt that Torreira is best suited to winning the ball higher up the pitch and playing in a transition type of role. I, I feel that there's some merit to that in terms of um, how the other top teams are playing. But 
like Manny was saying, you've got someone so unsuitable in terms of their physical attributes trying to do multiple roles. And I think that's a really big thing to sort of um, unpack as well. The amount of different jobs that Xhaka is expected to do beyond his capabilities and particularly beyond his physical capabilities, it is just fucking madness. You know, we open up these huge spaces and we keep talking about the spaces. And it's Xhaka that is supposed to put out all the fires. He, he just doesn't have the ability to cover the ground to do that. He certainly doesn't have the brain to do that. I think that's well established as well. So the good that he brings to the team, and I was saying this to you um, earlier, Max, is that I actually think Granite Xhaka suits more of a Wenger-era team, which is possession-dominant, far more than an Emery-era team. So why the fuck has Emery got such a fucking hard-on? Like, he must have pictures of Emery, like, diddling fucking pigs. It's and not just Emery. It's Emery, it's Wenger, it's the, Swiss na- it's the Swiss national team. Look, either they're all geniuses and we're all mm. fucking idiots, or collectively, mm. they are all fucking lobotomized granite jacker idiots yeah you and i were having this you and i were having this conversation today toby where we both said that in this current system which look i don't even like this current system i don't like that i'm not talking about the personnel i think you could rearrange these personnel a hundred different ways and it wouldn't make a fucking difference if they're being told to go out and maintain this type of spacing because the spacing is completely off but in this current format it makes more sense to me. And I thought it had happened against Man U. When I saw the team sheet, I actually had a little glimmer of hope because on the team sheet when it was released, it had Torreira deep and it had Ganduzi and Xhaka either side. It had Xhaka on the left, which meant for me, I was like, okay, well, Xhaka's going to try and play in between the lines a little bit. He's going to try and interchange with Saka, who's going to run off him. Because he's going to be a little bit further up, he's going to be able to maybe ping some of these. And don't forget this, guys final third entry balls that ev- everyone used to fucking jerk off over Granite Xhaka's final third entry balls. He's not even fucking hitting final third entry balls this year. He's hitting maybe one or two of those little delicious cross balls per game. But as far as this, again, inverted commas, final third entry balls, he's not doing it from a, a, a deep lying position. And like Toby said, because we don't have the possession, because we're not retaining the ball, because it's constantly fucking coming back at us, over and over and over again. What we're doing is we're exposing a guy who's already not good enough. So we're not exposing someone who's really good, who has the ability to maybe handle it some of the time. We're exposing someone who's clearly not good enough and may not be able to do it even if he wasn't being exposed. The lunacy is fucking insanity. And surely at some point, at some point, if you look on the balance of the last four games, someone within that coaching staff have to be sitting there and touching Emery on the on the shoulder and saying to Emery, we need to do something about this. We need more mobility deep. And can I just can I just add that Genduzi and Sabios in particular both love to touch the ball lots and leave their defensive positions, which fucking constantly exposes Xhaka. So the midfield unit does not work together. Toby, my rebuttal to that is 
as the captain, as a senior player, <laughs> isn't it your fucking duty to grab one of your teammates and tell them, sit right here, do not move, I'm being exposed? Because it seems no to me... No argument against that, Manny. Because no it seems to me that... In terms of leadership. Yeah, because it's we're talking about him being exposed of his flaws and players leaving the defensive duties. But and, the coach. But... The coach, though, Manny. Yeah, the coach. They, there's that too. But when is one of these players going to take responsibility? And we're talking about Xhaka here. If he is going to be the leader in that midfield pack, right? Isn't it your job to go, Mateo, sit right here, do not move. 15, 20 minutes, sit here and protect me. Help me protect the defence. Or if things aren't working, as the captain, go and speak to your coach and go, listen, this is not working. We need to change this. I, so I reckon, Manny, the, the captain, and I'm, I'm sorry to butt in here, but I, I think the captain speaks for the coach. So it's it's kind of like a general type of situation. And I honestly think that's why Emery is so fixated on Xhaka because he's the one that they have, whatever that personal bond, he is the voice for Emery on the pitch. He just doesn't deliver it. He doesn't even have a voice. That's the problem. He doesn't have a voice. I have never seen that guy actually lead. And when I mean lead, not just from his performances, but tactically. All I've seen him do is, is throw his hands in the air, moan, complain, point fingers, and, and you know, look to shirk responsibility for mistakes that he makes. I love like today I said against earlier, Manu when he walks up to the players and he points at his at his eyes. So after the Aubameyang score, after Aubameyang scores that goal, he runs up to the group of players, Shaka, and he's like, everyone open your eyes. Everyone keep checked in. And if I was a player on that team, I'd be looking at you and be like, motherfucker, you open your eyes. You keep yourself checked exactly. in. I, said, I can't remember <laughs> what I said this, right? But as a young player, how must it feel when Granite Shaka comes up to you and tells you you are making the mistake? You can just go, hold on a minute, you lanky streak of piss you've made the most mistakes in the whole league so how can you tell me about my mistakes see the thing about being a leader is you take responsibility for your actions and you hold everybody else accountable but it's fucked up when everybody else can turn around and go i'm holding you accountable for your fucking mistakes you can't so how the fuck can he be the leader of this team it makes no sense nothing makes sense bro I really want to know what happened and how the, how he was captain. I don't know because it, it leaked at the end. Bullshit. The team voted, Bullshit. And, I don't believe Emery, that happened. Because I, I, uh, I, well, I mean, Holding said it. I, I, again, again, that, that that doesn't mean it's true either. But because I want to be so angry at Emery and I want to be so infuriated with him being our captain. But... If our players voted for him, and if our I, again we don't I, I don't believe it either. But you know, but if that's the case, if the players did in fact vote for him as captain, Ryan, if my I staff complain, come to work, if if my staff come to work and they say to me, Max, we want to change this, this, and this, right? As a as a good manager, as a good business owner, I sit there and I say, Yep, cool. 
I've listened to what you've said. You're wrong. Shut the fuck up and do it the way I tell you to do it because I have 20 years experience doing this. Occasionally, more than occasionally, I'm very lucky with the guys I work with, more than occasionally, the guys will come up to me and they'll say something. I'll be like, great, okay, cool. We obviously need to change that. Everything about this club, everything about the way, the way that we operate on the pitch right now, everything about, even the whole way down to the selection of Xhaka as captain is all being driven by one man and one man alone. And this is the conversation that we need to start up right now. And I'm going to start it with you, Ryan. I'm going to start it with you. I'm going to give you the floor for a second. Unai Emery was a better manager last season. There was more of a game plan to Arsenal last season. Unai Emery has lost the plot, has lost his own confidence, and appears to, in a way, have lost the confidence of the team. Agree, disagree, comment. I I don't know. I just... Again, again, fuck social media. Or not fuck social media, just fuck media in general. But it's just... It's tough kind of sifting through all Remove the Remove all bullshit, the bullshit then, Ryan. All the just reports, look physically at the know, football uh, this year and tell me the football this year is better than the football last year when he fucking took over from a Venga team. Oh, no. It, it's, no, I, yeah, obviously it's not. What happened I mean, to Cutback FC? What happened to a it, team that, that, that drove to the byline? What happened to the goals Max, with shut up and Bellerin interchanging with Ramsey? What happened? What <laughs> no, happened to I, I, any of these? I'm I, trying to get Ryan to, to, to make a decision and stop trying man, to play. Shut the fuck the nice up and let him cut. speak. Shut up. He's just given Ryan like 50 fucking decisions and just thrown it all at him. I know. I feel Poor like Ryan. Ryan. I feel like going to Jack on the field. Shut I don't the know hell up. Ryan. Mute yourself and let the man talk. God. Jesus. Right, I'm <laughs> asking a question and then answering I mean, a question and then asking another one and answering it. <laughs> I'm so fucked up about it. Go, though. brother Ryan. I feel the need, but I'm go over. forth and prosper. Uh, to me, it comes down to this: as a manager, your captain needs to be somebody that you trust, that sees your vision, and can carry it out on the field. Now, does Jaka do that? I don't know. I don't know what Emery's vision is because we've been playing like shit. Now, do we think that the players voted for Xhaka and want him to be captain? I don't, I don't believe it, but it's what we hear. So it's very, uh, how do I say it? It's just, it's, it, it's funny because it's something I've been struggling with for the past week because I don't, uh, and I think I said it in our chat, I don't, I don't really know who I want to be mad at because we're fucking up. Emery's, Emery is fucking up. That's a fact. He's fucking up uh, with his eleven in certain games with his formation with his tactics he's done that it's it's a it's a fact he's done that um and jaka just he, he's he's led you know uh, all the all the fans of jaka are like oh well he's led every team he's came into C- cool but this is arsenal fucking football club this is the biggest team he's ever going to fucking play for and it's we're too big for him and we we need a captain who is gonna? I don't think we need a captain that's gonna essentially 
carry out Emery's uh, thought process and carry out Emery's play style. But we need a captain that's going to hold these guys together, band them together, and say, hey, fuckheads, we need to push forward. We need to, you know, it's uh, like we, I think we need more of a captain that's more of like a motivator. And I don't, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I I like Aubameyang, Lock, I like Lacazette. Holding could be there in a few, in a, in a year. Same with Ganduzi. But I just, I, I hate to say, you know, people are talking Emery in, Emery out. I don't think Emery is long for this world. And to me, you know, uh, cynicism, why keep him on? Why, if we know he's not leaving, if we know we're not getting rid of him, why, why is he still here then? I'll take Freddie, I'll take Freddie to fucking be the interim coach. If he's not long for this world, get him the fuck out of here. I'm not saying I want him out of here, but if... If in the dressing room, if there's uproar, if there's this, if there's that, get in the fuck out. I mean, sorry, Manny, <laughs> floor is yours. I just, I don't know what there, to, there, know what to do I'm, I'm going to coin a, a, a phrase that you know, Clive from Arsenal Vision used, and that's when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. So if I invite you to my house and you steal, you're a kleptomaniac and I'll fuck you up. So Emery has shown us in the last few months who he is which is a conservative and indecisive manager who is not bold enough to make the decisions to take this team forward and possibly he is a poor coach because within this team they are bad but they have strengths and it's crazy that their weaknesses are prospering more than their strengths these players are not thriving because of his coaching ability. They're thriving because of their own ability. And I'm talking about Aubameyang here. Saka, Guendouzi. It's nothing to do with the coaching. It's themselves who are dragging them through these matches. The captaincy issue for me was a shitload of cowardice. Because we knew he was going to pick him. My problem is, if you're going to have a vote, I'm not against the vote. I'm not against democracy within the changing room. But do it in pre-season. Why are you doing it now? Why are you dragging it out and turning it into a circus? The tactics. There's no structure. There's no organization. There's no communication. We've regressed. And that's to do with the coach. Now, I've got a question to throw out to you guys. If Emery has shown his hand should we accept it or should we go no this is bullshit uh, i think that the club will support emery until the end of his second year almost regardless unless there is an unmitigated disaster and my argument around this is as such you always have to think that the person that you're bringing in is going to do a better job than the guy who's there currently. And if I look at the way a lot of other clubs operate within the premiership, the constant chopping and changing of managers and creating a culture of chopping and changing of managers, every time you bring in a new high-level manager, that manager requires investment. They want their team. It undoes the work of the person behind him. I think the fact that we're now in this process or this ideal of bringing in coaches not bring in managers in one way that should make it easier for us to do it but in another way it actually reduces the amount of skilled professionals that we can get in so if you're looking at say the top managers in the world 
I don't think Klopp would come in under a sheerly coaching role. I don't think that Pep would come in under a sheer coaching role. I don't think that Max Allegri would come in under a sheer coaching role. So I think what would be smarter for the Arsenal board right now to do is to say, okay, this guy is not going to be here into his third year. It's unlikely that we're not going to be in and around the top four. There's not going to be some giant unmitigated disaster, I don't think, where we finish seventh or eighth because, as Manny said, I just think purely on talent, on what they're doing, not what the manager's doing, we'll have enough. I just think the board will be sitting there looking at it saying, we gave him a two-year contract with an option for a third. Let's see out the two-year contract and we should be in the market now looking for the guy who's actually going to take us forward with a playing style in the future. Yeah, I, well said. I, I agree. I think that's something we need to look at. But the search that's starts what I mean, now. Now, because I agree. I think playing playing players out of position. You know, I I know you guys touched on it, but the whole Torreira thing. I just I don't I don't get like I I legitimately sit I sit and at the TV I watch the game and I I notice drool just coming <laughs> out of my mouth because I'm just like I just don't get it. Like I don't get why. He's making Torreira run. Why he's making Torreira? The average, the average positions at the at the end of the game, uh, I saw a graph, uh, a thing of, of the average positions of all all of our players. The most furthest one was Aubameyang, but right behind him was Torreira, which I which whatever fine he wants to play the pseudo ten. I he needs to be the base of our diamond. It's just it's simple as that. It's where he thrived. It's where he came onto the field. He came into the team. It's what he did best. And we're going to fuck with that because uh, Queen Granite Jack is not happy. Our captain's not happy. I, I, just, I don't know. Toby? The, Toby, what's your uh, what's your input to the Emery conundrum? You've come around this week to an idea that maybe it's time. Or, or not that maybe it's time that Emery left, but you've come around to the idea that maybe you've seen enough. Do you think that Emery stays until the end of the year, or do you think Arsenal pull the pin on the grenade and blow it up? Look, I I think he's fulfilling his role at the moment by maintaining top four position. I think um, what Manny was reflecting on before, you know, which was in uh, in agreement with Clive's perspective from Arsenal vision is that Emery has absolutely shown his true colours and that's what we're going to see we are seeing a conservative manager that doesn't know how to hedge his bets on a particular style of play so he's been handed a plethora of attacking options but he can't commit to it, he's trying to play like a real 50-50 split Um, we I feel like we've seen this, you know, like with the the PSG. Was it was it Real Madrid and and um, Juve, or was it Barca and Juve, twice giving up a four goal advantage? I think we're seeing that this season. How many times have we started well, sat back, sat back, had to come back? You know, this this really does seem to be a pattern. I don't think. At the moment, there is a better option directly under this particular structure that could perform in a technical director type of role. 
sorry, who under a technical director type of role. So I so I don't see a need to change right now. You know, if we were languishing in sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, then we could be pulling the pin at any time. And I, I, I in in response or rebuttal to my own argument, I actually reckon the Aston Villa game was make or break. And luckily for Emery, his team stepped up to save him. Um, we got to keep going with what we've got, but he is, he is grossly underperforming and he is showing himself a highly conservative manager that doesn't know how to blend his the attributes within his team. So it's 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 a real clusterfuck at the moment, and we really need to find solutions. So Mandy, I was going to put this final question to you to to finish off for the last five minutes of the pod, and it goes a little Ooh. something like this: Is the reason why Emery can't commit to a style of football that the two players who most directly contribute to his style of football? are yet to make appearances in the team. And that is his right back in Hector Bellerin and his left back in Kieran Tierney. And do Mm -hmm. we need to keep our powder very, very slightly dry, despite all of our disdain, until we see an Emery team with the attacking talent in the positions that he requires to maybe make his midfield work? No, I'm not buying that. No, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that because... (laughs) I'm not buying that because of how we're playing at the moment. So the midfield, the openness of the midfield, you can't tell me that having overlapping fullbacks is going to make us better in that respect. Um, the fact that we aren't, you know, keeping hold of the ball and keeping possession and the fact that we don't put teams under pressure for for long enough periods, that's nothing to do with the fullbacks. There is something that he has ingrained in the team this season that I don't think is going to be immediately driven out of the players once Tierney and Bellerin come back. You know, that that conservative, you know, let's hold what we have. Watford, you know, last night, where the t- we didn't have a shot on goal after Saka's miss. And that was what, around the 59th, 60th minute? Until Nelson, close to the end of the game. And that's nothing to do with the fullbacks. That's to do with the manager saying, let's keep what we have. So what's Tini and Bellerin got to do with any of that if the mentality is to be conservative in the first place? So for me, I just see, I, I don't see him moving us forward. There isn't enough, right? There, there isn't any positive to actually look at this season to go, yes, that's this is it. Let's keep hold of Emery. He's going to take us forward. He's taken us backwards in a year. He's taken everything backwards. So just having Tini and Bellerin come in, no, because there's bigger issues to deal with. So no, but he he's not going to take us forward. So do you pull the pin out of the grenade now, Manny? I pull the pin out of the grenade at the end of the season, because Arsenal are not a second club. But if I had it my way, if I was Edu, I would be like, you've got until November. You've got until the end of November. 
if I don't see any improvement, and that's another thing, I'm hoping those guys hold him accountable for what we're seeing. I hope the Edus and, and the Rowls and those guys are watching. Because if I was Edu, I'd be like, you know, you've got until Christmas. I'll extend it. You've got until Christmas. If I do not see an improvement, if I don't see mistakes being eradicated, if I don't see better football, if I don't see major improvements in all areas of this team, you're gone. Because winning is all well and good, but winning is not enough. Win with style. Win with making less mistakes. Have a structure. Have a style. Have organization. I don't see that. Fuck off. Hmm. Fun times ahead for yeah, all Arsenal fans. Um, just quickly, guys, before I completely wrap up, we've got three games next month before our next end of month review. Bournemouth, Palace, Wolves. Really, we've got to be saying that that's nine points. All of those games are home or away? Bournemouth which one's at home or which one's away? Great question. Yeah. Bournemouth is at home. Hold on. I did actually have this. Palace are like the best performing away team in the league, by mm-hmm. the way. Uh, all three yeah. games are at home, guys. Bournemouth are at home. <laughs> Palace are at home. Wolves are at home. <laughs> Seven points. Toby? Nine or Emery out, blood. <laughs> Ryan? Just jokes. Just jokes, but it should be nine. It should be nine. It should be nine. It should be nine. Ryan, how many points, blood? Blood. Bruv. Fuck. I grew Toby. Emery out, blood. In uh, it. Nine. Nine. In it. I beg you guys, oh, stop, uh, please. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to go with six. I'm going to go with six. Jeez. I, I have and it will probably two. still be good enough with the I, form I, of the I have, I have this really teams. horrible feeling. I have this really horrible feeling. I, I had this horrible feeling that the Man U game, the Man U game to. after such a dire month, I really felt that the Man U game was, you'd had like three whole weeks to, to look to, to, to have a look at what was working and say, okay, with my coaching staff, this hasn't worked. We're going to do this. We're going to move this p- person here. We're going to move this person there. And it didn't happen. And that's why I've got real, real serious fears. Real serious fears. And Mandy, you know what? I Just to go back to what you said before, I actually have to agree with you in a lot of ways. I think it would be ludicrous to do it before Christmas. We're not a sacking club. But I would say that by the middle of November... If we're, say, more than five points off top four, I would argue that that's cut adrift. And I would say maybe that might yeah, be the you time. you make your move then. Yeah, I'd say that might be the time when you might say, Freddie, you've got three months with the team. Go and have an impact. The same way that Solskjaer had an impact. And, and I'm hoping that we're not the type of club who's going to say, go and have an impact. And then because he has a small impact, we turn around and say, yes, go and be the manager now. Because that's not what I'd do. I'd sit there and say, go and have an impact, get us through a couple of months. I think that the way Arsenal are built, that the way we are, that the way our culture is, and I know that's changing, that the board has changed, but I still feel like Arsenal at our core, we are the Arsenal. And I don't think we're a sacking club. I think much more likely Emery will see out the entirety of his second year and instead of being extended for the third. And I actually think that maybe regardless of Champions League, and that may be an interesting concept for people to wrap their heads around. But for me, it's not the winging, the winning. 
I don't want to get Champions League because the other teams around us were shit. I want to get Champions League because we deserved it. Because we played a style. And we'll go of football. back where we were, Max. It's, Absolutely. It's a really good point. Absolutely. I, I want to get there because why, we played a style of football the that made us deserve it. Worse than, than just about scraping top four and then yep. going out in the first round or in the, the first round of the knockouts like can it I was finish you guys with a real, Can I finish you guys with some really, really interesting stats? Oh, also, by the way, mm-hmm. just popped up on my feed Kieran Tierney's injured. Another injury setback for Tierney, pulled out of the Scotland. No, yeah, I, I read that too, but yeah, I, I heard, I heard that's is. bullshit. I heard he's ready for selection Thursday. I heard it. I heard that. I read okay. that everywhere too while we were recording. Okay, and, guys, you know, stats time. He's, he's, he's stats play time Thursday. to finish this off. And we're not going to discuss this. We're going to read the stats oh, and we're going to say goodbye. Wenger's last 45 Premier League games versus, versus oh, Emery's first cool. 45 Premier League games. Yeah, yeah. Points Wenger 81, Emery 82. Wins, Wenger 25, Emery 24. Goals, Wenger 88, Emery 85. Clean sheets, this one that fucked me up. Clean sheets, Wenger 17, Emery 9. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been an Ass Brothers Rantcast. We do this for you. We do this for us. We really don't do this for any other reason that we just like to get in a room and talk and swear into a microphone and make dick jokes. So as Always, I cannot do this without my fantastic panel, my great group of Ask Brothers, Manny Riz, Ryan, Toby. Thank you so much for joining me. We will see you guys again next month, and hopefully we're uh, we're looking at nine points from nine. Cheers, guys. Have a great night. Goodbye. <laughs>